0: Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you might be also. These are somewhat parting words that Jesus said to his disciples in that upper room discourse recorded in the Gospel of John in chapter 14, verse 1, prior, of course, to his imminent departure. If you remember, Jesus would often say, my time is not yet. Well, his time has almost come. And if you remember, as this upper room discourse begins, in the book of uh, John in chapter 13, Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper. In other words, he told his disciples then, and he's telling us now, how he wants to be remembered. And after he gave them instructions on how he wanted to be remembered, remember he ungirded himself. And the Bible says that he then stooped and he washed the disciples' feet. There was a lesson there. He said, you call me Lord and Master, and so am I. If I, your Lord and Master, wash your feet, so ought you to wash one another's feet. He said, you don't understand what I'm doing now, but you will understand later. It was an example of humility, and this is what the Apostle Paul said to the Philippians. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It was a servant mind, and the mind that we need to have. And here in these words right here, Jesus is helping us to understand how we can, in fact, be comforted with his departure. And so having said that, this is in fact the subject of our lesson. It is also the text that we are going to consider. And so if you're not there, I invite you to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of John in chapter 14 at verse 1. I would like to pause and first and always acknowledge my gratitude to Almighty God. I'd like to use the words of the psalmist from the 37th psalm, which talks about the value of continuing to serve the Lord. And I think all of us remember verse 25, where there the psalmist says, I have been young and now I am old, and I have not seen the righteous forsaken, neither his seed begging bread. I think that assures us of fellowship with God as long as we serve the Lord faithfully. And that the Lord's going to be there for us, and he's going to provide for us, and he's going to protect us. And that certainly is in keeping with the words of exhortation, which is the subject of our lesson tonight, let not your heart be troubled. And so I'm thankful to God for his providence, indeed over all mankind, and his special providence for all of his children. And I'm grateful for the good church here at El Bethel. Your kind and warm invitation for me to come with my lovely bride, Bessie, to work with you again in this special effort. And as I've met other brethren from other places, we thank you for coming and assisting us in this effort. I'm grateful to be in an assembly like this, as saints have lifted up their voice, as our dear brother has led us in song, and also our brother has led us in prayer, to be in an assembly like this. On a Tuesday night, I got to tell you what, folks we're thinking about, we're engaged in heavenly things. And it is just a joy to be here. I'm grateful for all of those who extended hospitality. I'm grateful to you, Brother Mitchell, your lovely wife, Jeanette, and I'm also grateful to you, Chloe. I'm grateful to you, Dickie, and I'm grateful to you, your lovely bride as well. Thank you so much for sharing, your kind and warm hearts. And for all of the others of you who have shared, Words of encouragement and I appreciate that so very much. I want you to know if you are Visiting us from the community. I want you to know that you're on honored guest and I thank you for coming I'm especially grateful for the young people young people you encourage me and again I want to say that if you continue in the ways in which you're living now there are good things in store for you. Your parents are to be commended, but you to be commended as well. Because if you continue in these ways, you are on the right track. And God has some good things in store for you. And so, having said that, I want to tell you why I believe this lesson is so important. Because a troubled heart can be found in anyone, even the Christian. And it has been said that only those who have known sorrow are able to give comfort. Isaiah chapter 53, verse 3, especially, it refers to Jesus as a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. The word acquainted means familiar with, one who has experienced it. And so, yes, Isaiah chapter 53 speaks about what Jesus would go through as if he had already been through it, because it speaks somewhat in the past tense. And as we look back, we can see those things that he went through. The Bible says he was tempted in all points, yet like as we are without sin. I believe this lesson is important. As Jesus tells us in John 14, 1, as he talks to his disciples, he said, let not your heart be troubled. There are seven principles I'd like to discuss from this chapter in the book of John in chapter 14, and because sometimes it is hard when someone leaves, especially when you're deserted, Now, Jesus did not desert his disciples. That's not what he is saying. But he himself was deserted. He was disappointed by his disciples. Remember in the garden when he went to pray, recorded in John in chapter 17. And remember, he prayed to the Father because he was concerned about the task before him. And it reveals not only his deity, but also his humanity. He came for a specific purpose and he prayed to the Father, Father, if thou be willing, let this cup pass from me. And so he comes back and he finds his disciples sleeping. And let me tell you what, he did that three times. But I got to also tell you something, folks. It did not stop him, even though he was disappointed in them. It did not stop him from going through what he needed to go through. Let not your heart be troubled. The Bible does tell me in Luke's account, in Luke 22 at verse 43, that there were angels who came and provided the assistance that he needed. So again, I say, let not your heart be troubled. But yes, he was deserted because just as Zechariah had said in Zechariah chapter 13 at verse 7, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will scatter. And they did. They left him. And I got to tell you what, folks, sometimes it is hard when people leave, especially when there are those who desert us. It could be a spouse. It could be a child. It could be a brother in Christ. It could be someone who is among us, but they go out from us. I believe that's why these words of encouragement are so important. Let not your heart be troubled, Jesus says. And I'm going to tell you, folks, it's hard when loved ones leave us. And you know, in John in chapter 11, Jesus was close to that family. It's hard when loved ones get sick. And it's hard when loved ones die. And you know, Jesus wept, the Bible says. The shortest verse in the Bible, John eleven thirty five. 35. And you know what? We weep too. And Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. And Lazarus did die. And I got to tell you what, Jesus wept because he really cared. And we do too. And I'm telling you, folks, it's hard sometimes it's hard losing a spouse it's hard losing a child it's hard losing a parent it's hard losing a friend and Jesus says let not your heart be troubled when we first became Christians Bessie and I obeyed the gospel together I remember there was in the congregation where we were this young girl called Wendy. Wendy was diagnosed at birth with spina bifida. But she grew to the age of about 11. And let me tell you, this young lady captured the hearts of everybody in the local congregation. She had these crutches that were almost taped to her arms, but she acted as if she didn't even need them. They looked like wings because she would just run around the building and everybody loved Wendy and Wendy got sick and we prayed and we prayed and Wendy died and I tell you what something that rocked our faith but you know what the message you know what I have learned exactly what Jesus is saying here let not your heart be troubled because Jesus says suffer the little children to come unto me for of such is the kingdom of heaven It is hard when people leave. And that's what Jesus wants these disciples to know. They don't understand what's ahead. That's why he was saying the Son of Man must suffer at the hands of the religious leaders. He's going to be beaten. He's going to be crucified. He said, but don't tell anybody because they don't understand yet. And so he offers these words of encouragement to them in the book of John in chapter 14. And the first of them has to do with the principle and the comfort of faith. Faith is the foundation of true comfort because faith is one of the things that frees us from sin. And it makes us pleasing to God and it allows him to overcome sin as well as the world and it calls us to remember the promises of Jesus that I will never leave you nor forsake you. Hebrews in chapter 11, verse 1, not only defines for us faith, it also gives us the characteristics of faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence or the conviction of things not seen. That word substance, it comes from a word that means a basis or a foundation. In other words, there is the objective faith, Jude 3, that is the faith that produces faith within us, that builds our faith, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. The book of Hebrews gives us examples of examples of people who live by faith. And so when we talk about this comfort of faith, let me tell you what the right kind of faith is going to do for you. The right kind of faith is going to cause you to trust God. Remember the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says three times, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about food. Don't worry about tomorrow. Why do you worry, All ye little faith? A little faith is the kind of faith that doubts God. And we shouldn't doubt God because God takes care of the birds and the flowers. Will he not take care of you, all ye of little faith, Jesus says. And an antidote to worry. You know what it is? Let not your heart be troubled. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. The Bible talks about the kind of faith. That's weak. Romans 14:1, Romans 15:1. You that are strong in the faith, bear with the infirmities of those who are weak. You know who those who are weak in the faith? These are the people who don't read their Bibles. These are the people who don't take on the word of God. These are the people who are not strong in the Lord and the power of his might. So when temptations come or difficulties in life come or when trials come, they're not fortified with the word of God. And they don't know how to handle them because they're weak. They have not exercised their faith to discern both good and evil. And the Bible talks about the kind of faith that's dead. James uses the example of a dead body. James 2.26, the body without the spirit is dead. And so faith without works is dead. And James could not have been any plainer. If a person claims to have faith in God and they don't do what God says, it's a dead faith. But In the book of Matthew in chapter 8, we see the kind of faith we need to have. The Bible says this centurion, he comes to Jesus, he says, my servant is sick. Jesus says, I'll come and heal him. He said, but I'm not worthy for you to come under my roof. He said, all you have to do is speak the word. In other words, did you get that? He doesn't have to be there. All you have to do is speak the word. He said, because I'm a man under authority and I've got soldiers under me. And if I tell a man to go, he goes. And if I tell a man to come, he comes. And if I tell a man to do this, he does what I say. And Jesus responds by saying, I have not found so great faith. No, not in all of Israel. That's the kind of faith we're talking about, folks. This is a comfort. That regards to what we face in life. We believe to the saving of the soul. You know why? Because God has given us evidence. It has been said that there are two books that are open. There is the book of nature that's open. The psalm is said it like this the heaven declare the glory of God and the firmament showed forth his handiwork. Day and today utter speech and night unto night there is no language where their voice is not heard. All you have to do is look around and you can see the fingerprints of God all over creation. And then we have the book of inspiration. Yes, we can learn about the power of God. We can learn about the wisdom of God. And the majesty of God, all we have to do is look around in this creation. And it would be absurd to say that these things came from non-living things. Or that life comes from non-living things. Or that God got it started and things evolved over eons and eons of time. That reduces God to a weakling. Why could it not be as God said it was? that in six literal 24-hour days that God created this universe. And he rested on the seventh day. And he created this for us. Be inhabited by us. And that we might glorify him by the things in which we do. Revelation 4.11. That's why he created us. And so, when we accept these truths and we live by faith, let me tell you what, that is a comfort. Because we know who our Creator is, and we know why He put us upon this earth, and we know what we're supposed to be doing while we're here, and we know there are going to be troubles, and we know there are going to be problems, because we can read about it in the book of Genesis in chapter 3. And we can read about all the failures of God's people in times past, but we can also read about the people who are faithful to God, not only in the book of Hebrews 11. The characters who were not even named in Hebrews 11. That people who stood steadfast in their faith towards God. I'm going to tell you what, folks, that is a comfort. And I'm going to tell you something else. There is also the comfort of hope. Did you notice the connection with faith and hope in Hebrews 11? faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence or the conviction of things not seen. Hope in Christ is the comfort and the anchor of the soul. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 19 and 20. And apart from Jesus Christ in the world, there is no hope. Remember what the apostle Paul said about the Ephesians? Remember before they obeyed the gospel, these people were dead in their sins and trespasses. Without God and without hope in this life. You know what he is saying? A relationship without God, there is no hope in this world. No reasonable hope. But what is the comfort of hope for you and I? The hope of better things should comfort the Christian in difficult times. We sang this evening about the fact that Jesus is coming back, the faith gives us that information. So not only do we have forgiveness of sins, but you know what we also have? We have the promise and the hope of everlasting life. This is what Paul said in the book of Philippians in chapter one and verse one. I'm sorry, Titus chapter one and verse two. In hope of everlasting life, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began. So there is a promise that you can hold on to that when things are tough, Maybe someone is leaving. Maybe you've been deserted. Maybe you're by yourself. Maybe you're facing some difficulties. You can know that the hope that God has promised us is true. And not only that, there is understanding. I want you to look in your Bibles. In the book of John in chapter 14... And I want you to notice verse two and three in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you will be also. And this hope helps us to understand. And where I go, he says, and the way you know, Thomas said to him, well, Lord, Lord. We do not know where you are going, and how can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Remember back in John's account, back in the book of John in chapter 8, verse 32, remember what Jesus says, if you what? If you continue in my word, you shall what? You shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Make you free. This is the truth. Jesus is the truth. Not only is he the truth, but he is the way, the life, and the truth. We're talking about destiny here. We're talking about living on this earth and purposeful living. And what are we living for? Because of the promises that God has made for us. Why do we go through the sacrifices that we go through? Why do we do what we do? Because of our faith and because of the hope that we have and because of our understanding of who God is and what God has said. Fast forward with me, if you will, to the Lord's Prayer in the book of John in chapter 17 about verse 3. Remember what Jesus said, and this is eternal life. What is it? that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom he has sent. Why why did he send Jesus? Well, look in John and 4, verse 14. John says, the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. So we come to understand some things. The promise and the hope of everlasting life. You know, when Jesus was crucified, many of the disciples, their hopes were dashed. But Jesus met with them after giving them some final instructions. And so recorded in the book of Acts in chapter one, I want you to notice something that would help clarify their mind. They would eventually, and we'll talk about this in just a little bit, they will eventually be guided in the old truth. But for now, this ought to be sufficient for them. I'm in the book of Acts in chapter 1, and I want you to notice the Bible says in verse 9, when Jesus had spoken these things, the final instructions, while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked up steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, Two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in the manner as you saw him go into heaven. This is his ascension. And I'm going to tell you what, folks, there's not a lot of discussion about the ascension of Jesus Christ. It's just not talked about a lot and I'm gonna tell you something else there's a big subject that a lot of folks don't talk about either and that's eschatology you know what eschatology is it has to do with end time what's going to happen when the end comes? and there will be an end and the Lord the Lord's gonna come back the same way he came and there's a lot of false doctrine about that and some of the false doctrine has to do with The possibility of a second chance and we're going to deal with that if the lord wills on friday night when we talk about dead men talking because the lord's going to give us a glimpse into what happens when we die but understanding what happens to us as we live and what happens to us when we die what happens to us while we're here and we make the decision that we're going to place our faith our confidence our trust and our hope in god let me tell you what folks that's words of encouragement and it helps us to understand purposeful living let not your heart be troubled and it doesn't matter what you face but especially when somebody is leaving or somebody is going And it might be us who want to leave final instructions for our children. That they walk in our steps. And they follow the way that we try to instill in them with principles of righteousness. And I'm going back to the text in the book of John in chapter 14. And there's also the principle of prayer. Look at chapter 14 and look at verse 13. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it of all the blessings god gives his children yes forgiveness of sins yes the promise and the hope of everlasting young. yes indeed his grace his mercy his patience his long-suffering yes the fellowship that we share that word koinonia it has to do with us joining together participating together in this great scheme of redemption like we did tonight as we've assembled together here in a public proclamation of the gospel lifting our voices up to heaven. All of these are benefits of what the Lord has provided for us. But I think sometimes what is taken for granted is the avenue of prayer. You know what prayer is? It's a direct line of communication to heaven. I mean, there's only one mediator between God and man, and it's the man Jesus Christ. Do you remember in the book of Luke in chapter 18? Jesus taught a parable to this end. That men ought always pray and not faint or lose heart. Pray, he says. But don't be like the Pharisees who pray to be seen by men. Pray because you sincerely want to talk to God and you want to open up your heart. And you may have to approach the throne more than one time it may seem as if God is not hearing and so he talks about this woman this importunate woman she goes before this judge and she's constantly going to and he doesn't hear her. he's not a righteous judge but Jesus says this judge says unless this woman wears me out I'm going to answer her and he does and Jesus draws the point of the lesson you know what he says Shall not God answer his own who cry out to him day and night? Yes, yes, he'll answer them speedily. And then he asked a question: When the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? He's going to find faith. He's going to find folks who doubt him. He's going to find folks whose faith is weak. He's going to find folks whose faith is dead. But he's going to find folks who recognize. The value of prayer. You know why? Because they read in the Gospels where Jesus was a man of prayer. And they'll look at the instances in which he prayed, making big decisions, praying before you eat, praying when someone is sick, and sometimes just praying to praise God. You ever do that? You ever go before God and you say, God, I'm not coming to you asking you for anything. I'm just coming before your throne because I want to talk to you and I want you to know just how much I appreciate you because you are so good. You ever do that? Let me tell you what, young folks, try this. Go to your parents and tell your parents, Dad, Mom, I don't want nothing. I'm not coming to ask you anything. All I want you to know is how much I love you. They might take you to the emergency room They might think something's wrong with you. Don't you know God wants to hear? He tells us to ask. But that's not all we should do, folks. We should express our gratitude to God because we appreciate him. But he does tell us to ask. So when there are things in our hearts that are heavy, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And Jesus would suggest that there might be a time when we might fast. Remember in that Sermon on the Mount, he said, and when you fast, you get the implication, there might be a time when you might fast. And when you fast, don't be like these other folks who do it to be seen by men. In other words, there may come a time when you want to talk to God and you want to spend more time talking to God than anything else. And maybe the last thing you think about is food. Let me ask you, folks, isn't it instinctive when our hearts are heavy that we spend more time in prayer? What happened after 9-11? Folks want to pray. What happens when tragedy strikes? Folks want to pray. And a lot of people treat God like a band-aid. But these are words of comfort. Because if you're a child of God, you know what God said? I want to hear from you. And I especially want to hear from you when your heart is heavy. And I want you to open your heart. And I want you to talk to me, God is saying. And I tell you what, a lot of people think that talking to God through prayer is cleansing. You know, it's kind of self-examination. It's more than that. Jesus taught that parable to this end that men ought always to pray. And that's a lesson we need to be teaching our young people. When you go out in public, don't be ashamed to pray. And when God hears and answers your prayers, you know what you do? You pray. You go back and you thank God. I'm saying, folks, these are words of comfort. And even when things may not turn out to our liking, remember what the Apostle Paul says, in everything give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. I heard a man pray, thank you, Father, even for the difficult times, even though I may not understand, I know it must be for my good because you let it happen. We're talking about complete trust in God. And we should pray according to His will. But so oftentimes our desire is for our own. But let me tell you what else is also words of comfort, and that's love. I want you to look in your Bibles in verse 20. John 14 verse 20, "At that day. At that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me, and he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Drop over to verse 23. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words, and the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. So what does love for Jesus mean? I think it's kind of similar to what we talked about on Sunday morning. What does it mean to believe in Jesus? Does it mean just men were sent? Does it mean just saying those words, I believe in Jesus? What does it mean to love Jesus? Does it just mean that I love Jesus and that's sufficient? Well, Jesus tells us here what it means. It means to keep his commandments. And what is the implication? Well, if I'm going to keep his commandments, I have to know what his commandment is. Well, what does that mean? The implication is I got to hear It means that I have to turn to God's word. I got to believe in God's word and I have to do what God's word says. Let me show you what else John said about love. I'm turning in my Bible to John's epistle. The first one, he wrote three of these. 1 John 1, 1 John 2, and 1 John 3. I want to look at 1 John 1. 1 John 1, and I want you to notice Folks, verse, 1 John 1, and I want you to notice chapter 2, verse 3. Now, by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. How can we know if we are in fellowship with God? The answer is right here. Look over in the book of 1 John chapter 3. Look at verse 16, by this we know love because he laid down his life for us and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So we're talking about a specific kind of love. There is that misdirected love that the apostle Paul talks about in the book of 2 Timothy in chapter 3. In the last days, men are going to be lovers of themselves Love is a money, love is a pleasure, unloving, but this is the agape love, that God demonstrated his love that even while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And when we comprehend this love, these are words of comfort for us because we're told to imitate God's love. And the complete definition of that is in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 13. And that's something that we ought to read continually because it tells us what love will do. It's not an emotion, but it's an action. It always looks out for the best interests of others. And I got to tell you what, folks, these are words of comfort. Let not your heart be troubled. So even when things get difficult, The love of God and the love that we have for God is going to sustain us. And also, the Holy Spirit. These are words of comfort. The book of John in chapter 14. I want you to notice very simply, John in chapter 14. And I want you to notice very carefully verse 26. John 14, verse 26. Jesus says, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Now, I understand he's talking specifically to the disciples, the apostles, the one that he would commission to go out into all the world. But I want you to look at chapter 16. I want you to look at verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away, for if I do not go away. The helper, who is the Holy Spirit, will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Remember how we talked in this big scheme of redemption, this plan of salvation or this mystery of God and how that Jesus, who is the redeemer, the reason why he came was to save his people from their sins and so after jesus died the holy spirit came and took up residence to reveal the rest of god's will they were to go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature beginning at jerusalem and we've got a record of that and so the question again could be raised what if the holy spirit would not have come what if jesus went to calvary he died on the cross he paid the price for you and i and we would not have the information that we have to take advantage of the mercy and the grace of God. That would mean we would not have the instructions on what to do in order to be saved. That would mean we don't have the instructions on how to stay saved. That means we don't have the instructions on what to do when difficulties come. He is called a Helper. He's called uh, the comforter, another comforter. And you remember the Roman letter in chapter 8? Remember talk about how this hope saves us? Remember talk about how sometimes we pray and we don't even know what to say? I mean, have you ever been there? You, 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 you may get on your knees or maybe you might even be prostate. Oh, it, it really doesn't matter what the position is, but you need to talk You need to to go to heaven strong through Jesus Christ. And the words are just not there. But all of a sudden, you remember something in God's word. You know what I frequently think about? I remember what the psalmist says, I have hid thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That clicks in my mind to say, don't complain because my complaining is a lack of trust or oh, i remember sometimes good people suffer i'm human we are all going to go through difficulties i remember all of us going to die and when there are things that i don't understand James a very practical book James says if any man lacks wisdom let him ask of God I have asked God time and time again help me to understand and sometimes there's just not an answer but aren't you glad you have the Holy Spirit that you can search you can search and you can find answers Because all scripture is given by inspiration of God is profitable for doctrine, reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God can be perfect, thoroughly furnished or equipped under every good works. And last but not least, isn't that the last hymn we sang? When peace like a river there's a kind of peace that the world cannot understand and how we face difficulties in life and we just keep going. I just don't understand how people in the world face difficulties in life. Oh, I know what they do. They turn to vices. They turn to alcohol and they turn to drugs. They turn to material things, but there's no happiness there. But oh, if you turn to God, let me tell you what, you will find a peace That surpasses understanding. Look in your Bible in verse 27. John chapter 14 verse twenty. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. And so this is what I'd like to say as we close, because one day you may find yourself in a similar situation. You may be leaving. Somebody else may have left. And you will think, what do I do? Where do I go? Where do I turn? Let me ask you, have you ever been to the place where there is nowhere else to turn? What do you do? Well, I tell you what you can do. You can turn to John 14. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, Jesus says, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you might be also. And coupled with the promises, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And Lord, I will be with you always, even until the end of the world. And even as the psalmist speaks in the 37th psalm over and over again. Oh, how much better it is And the value of continuing to serve the Lord. I have been young and now I am old. And I have not seen the righteous forsaken, neither his seed begging bread. I tell you what, folks, with Jesus, we have everything we need. And we can face any trial in life. We can read about those who were successful in their faith. Even as the the writer of the book of Hebrews said, Believing to the saving of our souls. So don't let difficulties stop you. Don't let trying times cause you to slow down. Don't let nothing come between you and your relationship with God. And especially you young people. Because I'm going to tell you, young people are dying too. And that's not simply to frighten you. But I think that's one of the lies that Satan has told. That you've got all this time to prepare. And James says, we just don't know. And neither do we know when the Lord is coming. But he's coming. And so in Matthew chapter 25, you may find yourself there one way or another. It might be you who's providing comfort, food, shelter for someone else. You may be the recipient of someone, because Jesus says, in as much as you've done it to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. And I'll talk a little bit more extensively about that on Thursday night when we talk about the problem of self. But do you know what else we take for granted? We take each other for granted. God has given us one another. So let not your heart be troubled because we are heaven bound to that eternal home that the Lord has promised in his house of many mansions there's room enough for every last one of us. And if you're here tonight, you're not a child of God. Let me tell you what. It's uniquely human for the heart to be troubled. The wise man said, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues of life. Proverbs four twenty three. Proverbs 23, about verse 7. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Is your heart troubled tonight? Do you need answers for that which troubles you? Regardless of what the question is, I can tell you what, folks, Jesus is the answer. And he is the one who's going to bring us back to a place where there will be no more troubles to disturb our hearts. Because therein you'll find faith, hope, and love. Our faith will be realized. What we live for, what we hope for, will also be realized. And we will bask in the love of God throughout eternity. So if you're here tonight, you're not a child of God, I'd like to simply extend the invitation of Jesus Christ. You can come by faith, repentance, and baptism. If you believe in the Lord, that God is raising from the dead, Paul said, you'll be saved. With the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, and you're willing to publicly acknowledge that, to confess him, You're willing to repent, turn from sin, and turn to Christ. If you're willing to be immersed, buried in water for the forgiveness of your sins, then the Lord stands ready to accept you. He'll save you with his cleansing blood. And then he'll raise you and put you in fellowship with him and other Christians who strive to live their lives free from sin eternally if you're a child of God you haven't lived the way you know you should live oh let me tell you what you're going to be troubled nevertheless but there are a lot of troubles that you can spare yourself because you learn the importance of sin and what it does it separates us from God so you strive to live a more holy life you strive to live to be more like God and if that is your desire then we hope the song that's been selected God is still calling Why don't you come? Why together we stand and sing.